Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Hey guys, welcome to Chickenlandia, and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens question and answer show. Uh, this is a obviously a YouTube live for those that are here with me right now. This is also a podcast, so you can now listen to the replay uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. I've got it up everywhere, so I'm super happy about that. Um, for those that are listening on the podcast, if I'm like saying random names, like I'm going to say right now, PG Nano Farm, thank you for joining us today. Uh, PG Nano Farm is one of my moderators. She's got a great channel. She's been talking about incubating eggs lately. Uh, So go check her out. But if you hear me mentioning random names, it's because I'm saying hello to people who are live with me here today on the chat. And I have Green Dream Project here with me today. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, Green Dream Project is also one of my awesome moderators. Cyber Canuck, thank you for being here. Um, So if you would like to submit a question for this live show and podcast, please go to my website, welcometochickenlandia.com. There's a section that says, oh, if you go to the contact section and click ask a chicken question, there's like a little scroll down menu. And then you can submit a question and I will get it. And if it's on topic and it works for the show, I will answer it on my next Bok Talk Live. And I do also try to answer questions that come in live during the show, but sometimes I can't get to them um, because this is a one-woman show. And (laughs) of course, I have my moderators. They help me every time. Um, but as far as the, the chat goes and gathering the questions, sometimes it just is going too fast and I don't see it. So um, the best way to get your questions answered is to submit them through my website. So today we're going to talk about chicken coop ventilation. We're going to talk about deworming your chickens. It's that time of year. It's parasite season. Isn't that isn't that lovely? <laughs> Is that the most wonderful time of the year? I don't think so. (laughs) Um, And we're also going to talk about when to transition your chickens from starter or grower feed over to layer feed. And that's a question I get a lot. So we're going to talk about that. Amber Lennox, thank you so much for being here. And uh, Amber is asking, what do you recommend for deworming? And we are going to talk about that today. 
uh, lots of great people here in the chat today. So, uh, you know, oh, it's just, I feel like every time I get on the live, it's like, aren't we, aren't we having like a, a didn't we just have a crazy week or a crazy couple of weeks? <laughs> I feel like lately everything is just so surreal. Uh, I think that's the best way to describe it. We are in a surreal time. But it's funny because, you know, chickens, they just give me life. And even though there are plenty, there's plenty about what's going on right now that's very difficult for me. And I'm, I'm certainly someone that needs a lot of human interaction. And I'm not getting that right now. And not just, I mean, of course, I'm here with my family, thank goodness. But I like to like go out and this is the time of year when I'm teaching tons of chicken classes and doing seminars and making appearances. I was supposed to do, you know, every year I do a class at the community college that's really involved and um, none of that has happened this year. And I really tried to do an online class kind of thing, but it was a little overwhelming for me to get that together because I also have kids that are in school right now and, um, you know, online school. So there's that whole process of getting used to that and making sure that they stay on task. So with all that going on, I just decided to focus on putting as much free content out um, on my YouTube channel, here in my live show and my podcast and just trying to help people the best that I can in, in that way. Um, and then next year, the plan is for me to have some type of online class so that people can have access to me remotely and I can help them to get started with backyard chickens. Um, and I just want to say hello to some more people that have chimed in on the chat. My life's journey, Sharon. Oh, goodness, I'm just going to destroy that, <laughs> that name. <laughs> Let's just say my life's journey, Sharon. Uh, Vili. I, I don't know if that's right. <laughs> Believe me, my last name is 10 letters long, so I know what it's like when people mispronounce your name, and I apologize. Cool beans, thank you for being here. Um. So anyway, I have been able to connect with a lot of people uh, that are getting chickens this year. It's so funny. This week I have um, a new person that I'm helping. And the first message I got from them was, hey, I'm thinking about getting 12 chickens. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, OK. You know, and even 12 chickens is a lot for a first time uh, chicken person. And then the next the next question was, or the next message was like, you know, I think I'm going to get 16 chickens. <laughs> and then the next one was, oh, uh, I'm going to get such and such breed. And I added it up and it was 22 chickens. I'm like, wow, the chicken math is happening. And he doesn't even have chickens yet. <laughs> and then uh, finally, he sent me his order for baby chicks and it was 25 chickens. So, um, but this is someone that uh, is somebody that does things, you know, that goes for things and that is great at handling many things at the same time. So I was like, I know you can do it. Uh, for most people, I am much more conservative in my recommendations of what they should start out with. But it's been fun to, you know, even though I'm not connecting with people, uh, 
personally, uh, physically. Um, I am connecting with them a lot online. And if you don't know, I have a Facebook page. I've got, um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm even on TikTok, but not very often. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you, Green Dream Project. He just said, pardon me, but whose channel is blowing up? <laughs> Welcome to Chickenlandia. That's who. I have enjoyed more uh, more traction on my channel, uh, on my YouTube channel. Um, and if you found me, found me through the podcast, you know, my main uh, platform is YouTube. And uh, I just really love, I mean, I, my channel is a hundred percent chicken and a hundred percent friendly education and entertainment. That is my goal. So, um, I have a lot of beginner chicken keeping content there and that's how people are finding me right now because there's just so much interest in chicken keeping, which is uh, just so exciting to me. So I'm really appreciative to everybody um, who has found me recently and, um, you know, send me your questions and hopefully I can get to them. Uh, Homestead in the Highlands, thank you so much for being here. Uh, so Tracy Eldon Smith has a question. Hi, I have a Brahma boy. That's a big boy. Brahma, Brahma roosters are big boys. Who was a victim of a fox attack. I'm so sorry. That is very hard. Um, he's still not able to walk. The vet says it could be a long time as he could have nerve damage. How would you handle this? Well, um, Tracy, I'm so glad that you're working with a vet for something like that because uh, that is really a, a situation that does require men's veterinary input um, and advice. It's a tough situation because you don't want to extend the life of a chicken just because you don't, you know, you want them to be around. And I completely understand that because I'm, I'm very attached to my chickens. My chickens are my pets. Um, but there is some point where it's like, you know, their quality of life is not, it's just not there, uh, you know, to make it worth it for them to stay earthside. And I would, I would say to you that uh, you will have to decide what to do. And, um, you know, I wish I could tell you, okay, this is what you should do. And even in that situation, I don't know what I would do because it would really depend on, you know, what is the, how much will does the chicken have to live? Is it, is the chicken still eating and drinking? Um, does it seem like it's happy? I mean, there's, I don't know if you guys have, have seen it, but there's even, you know, there's like this one blind chicken and the, the owners will put, uh, googly eyes <laughs> just momentarily. She doesn't have them on all the time, but she they put little tiny googly eye glasses on her and it's so cute, but the chicken actually doesn't have any eyes. But that chicken is so well cared for and loved and has such a good quality of life despite this, despite the blindness. And, um, you know, obviously if that chicken were in other flocks, it, it, it may not survive, but if you can provide a good quality of life for the chicken and you think that he has the will to live and if you see improvement, then I would base your decision on that and, and just keep working with your vet, you know, and I'm so sorry that happened. That's awful. And it, and it, you know, it happens to the best of us. We've all, most of us and every, 
usually every chicken keeper at some point deals with a predator attack and it's, it's really tough. Okay, guys, I need to, uh, go to my questions right now. So I'm just going to start. I know I do have some questions that are coming in on the chat. They're coming uh, pretty fast. I'm going to try and go back and answer them. And But if I haven't done that and I'm done with the submitted questions, please submit your questions again so I can hopefully get to them. So my first question is from Chloe Smith. And she said, my coop doesn't have much ventilation. And I've read that they need it. That's that's good. Whatever you're reading is correct. Is there anything you recommend? And what about the size of it? I've seen online I can order vents, which feel much safer for me than mesh if predators are around. So, yes, definitely you need ventilation. Um, in some situations, it's kind of like counterintuitive to add ventilation, especially if you live in a colder climate. Um, people definitely will feel like, oh, you know, I need to close up all this ventilation. I need to make sure there's no airflow going through this coop to keep things warm. But that's actually not what you need to do. It's like the opposite of what you need to do. Chickens create a lot of moisture at night, which can make things quite cold and wet. They also create ammonia from their droppings. So those are two things that you don't want building up in your coop. Um, and certainly during the summer months, you want it to be nice and cool. You want there to be good airflow going through your coop. So you, you would also want ventilation during that time. The size of ventilation that you need really depends on the size of your coop. Um, and I do have a video called, I think it's just called chicken coop ventilation. <laughs> um, I made it in the winter. And um, in that video, I add some ventilation to my coop and I talk a lot about it. So you might want to check that out. I'm going to put that link in the description here and also in the podcast show notes for you. And for that ventilation, I just used hardwire mesh, which actually, if you can attach it really well to your coop and make sure that it can't, you know, that an animal can't like, you know, just make it come off or something like that, then it's pretty strong. Um, there's very few animals that can get through hardwire mesh. So, uh, but of course, the the um, vental the vents that you can get from the farm store or from a website those would be great too uh, depending on what you have so mainly remember that you want the ventilation to be higher than where your chickens are roosting because you don't want there to be a draft where your chickens are roosting so if you put it up high that is good and then you know you should be you should be absolutely golden with that um so, yeah, I mean, if you want to message me further, Chloe, and send me a picture of your coop, I can give you some suggestions. Um, but like I said, it really depends on the size of your coop, how much ventilation you are going to have. But that's an excellent question because I think a lot of people just don't think about that. Um, and it sounds like you're doing your research. Uh, I want to say hi to Eric Johnson, another one of my moderators. Thank you so much for being here. And I see Artisan Bard is here. I do have your question. Amber Lennox uh, asked, I, I took a five-year break from chickens, and now you're back. Yay. Uh, now I have three grown hens. Two are very cruel to one. How can I help this poor lady? 
So, you know, the pecking order is tough. Um, and sometimes when we are observing it through our human eyes, it can be a really hard thing to see. Um, my first question to you, Amber, would be, are they drawing blood on each other? Um, is she able to get to feed and water? Um, and if the answer is no, they're not drawing blood on her and, uh, they are able and she is able to get to feed and water, then the situation isn't as serious um, as it could be if the, you know, if, if, if they were actually really going after her. The unfortunate thing is that within a chicken flock, someone is going to be on the bottom of the pecking order. That's just what will happen. Um, one thing that you could try uh, to try and kind of even things out is actually remove the bully or find the, find the one at the very top of the pecking order and remove that chicken from the flock for at least a few days and then reintroduce that chicken. And that might kind of stir things up a little bit to kind of take her down a notch a little bit. One of the, thing, the things that I do in my coop is that I, uh, I haven't done it in a while, but um, I had one chicken, uh, uh, Pac-Man. If you watch my channel, I have a chicken, a, a Polish called Pac-Man. And she was being a real bully there for a while. And so I had a crate within my coop that she lived in for a few days uh, with, of course, with food and water. And it was big enough for her to walk, walk around a little bit in it. But it was, it, you know, it wasn't the, it wasn't the size of the coop. And she lived in there for a couple of days. And of course, she didn't, she didn't like it. And she could not go up to roost. She had to roost there sitting in the crate. And it really did change the dynamic. And after that, she wasn't as much of a bully. So that's something that you can try. Um, you could also, you know, want, if you bring more, if you integrate more chickens into the coop, into your flock, that will also disturb the pecking order and change things around. And then, you know, the unfortunate thing is, like I said, there's always going to be somebody on the bottom of the pecking order. And sometimes it's really hard to watch. So I hope that gets better. I just want to, Lorena Olson, I was wondering if you could tell us more about your deep litter experience. I'm researching different methods for my coop, but I live in Panama City, Florida, where our winters are very mild. Um, you know, I did do deep litter for a couple of years and I liked it. Um, it's easy. And if you stay on top of it, uh, I think it works really well. I had to stop doing it because once I brought the ducks into my flock, I wasn't able to keep the moisture down enough to continue with it. It just was not working. There's too much ammonia buildup in the coop. I'm, I might try again, but for right now, I'm not doing it. You know, you uh, really, it's pretty cut and dry if you if you're researching it i think what you will want to do is try it and see how it works and see if where you live um it's dry enough there's not too much moisture there's no ammonia build up in the coop the main thing to remember is that you just you need to replenish you need to add shavings uh you know if you Every few days, really, I kind of would put a little bit of shavings or if there's ammonia buildup, definitely want to put some shavings down. Um, 
to stay on top of that because if it smells bad, then something isn't right. So um, that's certainly something to remember. And also don't use diatomaceous earth if you are uh, using deep litter method because it, it messes up uh, the development of all the, the good bacteria that's growing in there. Uh, so Lorena said that, that that is my concern because it's very humid here all the time. Um, you'll do, I would say just uh, try it and see how it works. Uh, my garden and the dinosaurs who live there. Thank you so much for being here. Gr brilliant creatures. Thank you for being here. Uh, Ray Bain <laughs> says, yeet. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Ray. You're going to learn so much about chickens today. You're just going to go out and get chickens. <laughs> so uh, Nina is uh, has submitted a question. She says, hi, I recently discovered your channel and I enjoy it very much. Yay. I got chickens this February and was wondering, when do you change their feed from starter to layer? Um, so the simple answer to this question is you want to do it at either 20 weeks or when they start laying if it's before 20 weeks. So uh, sometimes you will have the overachiever that starts laying at, you know, 17 weeks or something. So you want to make sure that they have uh, the nutritional, they have the nutrition that they need to lay good, strong eggshells. So at that point, you will want to switch to layer feed or either um, if they, if they haven't started laying, then at 20 weeks, switch them over to layer feed. It's just that you're going to get more calcium in the layer feed. And then you also want to supplement with some extra calcium. I use oyster shell. Uh, right now, I'm not getting to the store very often. So I'm actually just crushing up the eggshells of my chickens and feeding that back to them as their calcium supplement. So um, that is a it's, a, it's a great question. I get it all the time with a simple answer. Uh, Artisan Bard asks, have you heard of Saturday morning lime, lime, Saturday morning lime? And it's so funny that you're asking that because, yes, I have heard of them. And I was thinking about uh, contacting them, you know, Saturday morning lime. If you're listening right now, <laughs> I'm thinking about contacting you uh, because I want to try it. It seems like, you know, I know a lot of people have some concerns with diatomaceous earth. I do use diatomaceous earth, but I understand that uh, people are concerned about the risks involved with it. Uh, and then Saturday morning lime sounds like a cool al alternative to that. I haven't tried it, but I want to try it. So like I said, if you guys are listening, send me a bag. <laughs> All right. So let's go to my next question. Oh, you know what, uh, Nina, I wanted to tell you that I also have a video called How to Feed Your Pet Chickens. And I'm going to put the link to that video in the description here. I'll also put it in the podcast notes so you guys can check that one out. So Chloe has another question. I've heard people worm their chickens every three months. Now, Chloe is in the, in the UK. I've never done this before, but I thought I would give it a go. In the UK, they have pellets that you can mix in with their feed called uh, Flubinvet, and I, I have heard about that. 
And um, in the United States, that would be a safeguard. I know that there is one for chickens, but um, it was extremely expensive when I found it online. And um, I'm still looking into that because I, to be very honest, I am very natural leaning. So I don't, you know, I don't have a lot of stuff readily in my head about these standard wormers. I have used uh, one in particular before, but I really try to stay on the natural side of things. And that's not to say that there is never a time when you need to use uh, standard medications. There, There are times when that has to happen. And in fact, in my own flock right now, I have, uh, Philippe is on antibiotics. Um, now I'm very particular about the type of, of medications that I will use. And I will encourage anyone to do your research and make sure that you know what you're putting into your chicken's bodies. Because one thing that we have to remember, and I am, I'm going to talk about this, it directly relates with, um, you know, worming your chickens every three months. My concern with, using this type of wormer. And this is one of the safer ones. There are wormers that we use in the U.S. that are very popular for use in the U.S. that are not approved for chickens. And we don't really know what the egg withdrawal is for them. Okay. So it's, it's important to know that. And the other thing is that you need to know what type of parasite you're dealing with, especially if you're going to use a medication that doesn't stop with your chicken, but may go into your chicken's eggs, may go into the environment and could also create resistance. So my concern um, with worming your chickens with this medication every three months is that you could be creating a resistance in your flock, um, a resistance, and eventually the medication will not work. So, uh, you know, and that's not good. So the first thing I will recommend for you is to find out if you, if you want to go the medication route, find out what type of parasite you're dealing with if you're dealing with a parasite at all. And if you find out that you actually don't have a significant parasite load, because, you know, all creatures carry some level of parasites. <laughs> I, I know that, unfortunately. Um, an angry garden gnome. I just saw your name and wanted to say hello. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great name. Um, so, oh gosh, I lost my trade of thought. I saw the angry garden gnome and I lost my trade of thought. <laughs> Uh, if you're not dealing with an active case of uh, parasite overload, then maybe you can think about some preventative things that you can do to make sure that it's not something that you will have to deal with in the future. Um, and something that is available in the UK that I really like, it's a product called VermX. They're not paying me. This is not sponsored. Um, but I do use this. I was just using it uh, in the fall and spring, but now I, I think I'm going to start using this monthly, and that's how it's indicated to use it once a month. And it's just you put a certain amount, um, you administer a certain amount to them in their feed or in their water uh, for three days, and it's a very gentle product, but it is certain it it certainly has uh, anti parasiticals 
antiparasitical herbs in it. So it is made, you know, they, they advertise it for prevention, but I do think that if you did have some level of parasites, it would definitely help with that. Now, uh, once again, my disclaimer is rolling. Uh, <laughs> I am not a licensed veterinarian. I'm not an herbalist. And I, I'm not a, a naturopath. Um, I wish I was, you know. <laughs> I use a lot of homeopathic medications. I use a lot of herbs. I've been using natural products, especially homeopathy, uh, which is a completely different modality than, than herbals, for 25 years. And so I have a lot of information in my head about these things. And, and when I look at a product like this, I'm looking at the herbs that are in it and I'm recognizing that I'm recognizing that they're herbs that are good for keeping parasites at bay. So I would say that unless you have proof of a parasite overload in your flock and unless you know what parasite you're dealing with, I would I would recommend to you to lean in more in a more natural direction. Um, it would just be better in the long run than medicating unnecessarily. Um, so that is my spiel about that. So, uh, yeah. And I know that, uh, I just want to mention, I know that homeopathy isn't for everybody. And I mentioned in every video that I make about homeopathy, I just mentioned that I uh, understand it's not for everyone, but I've been using it for 25 years. I have, I work with a licensed homeopath. I've used it on my family. I've used it on my chickens. I've seen like some really amazing things happen, especially with my chickens. And so that's what I do. That's the chicken landia way, but it's not everybody's way. And that's okay because everyone's welcome in chicken landia. So I do have a video called preventing parasites in your chickens. And I'm going to put that link in the description, and I will also put it in the podcast show notes for you so you can check it out. And, um, you know, good luck on your journey. And I think, you know, in the UK, you have some great options. I wish we had more options here as far as natural treatments go, but um, you guys have some really good products over there. It's exciting. So uh, thank you so much for that question. Oh, so my garden and the dinosaurs who live there says, I'm also in the UK and I also use Flubinvent every three months. I have recently bought a product called Chicken Clay, which has helped to rid the gut of parasites. That makes sense. So is it like a bentonite clay? Uh, that would make sense to kind of clear out the intestines and, you know, get out any yuckies that might be in there trying to take over. Camp Canine Daycare, is egg eating a seasonal thing? Caught a couple of mines eating the eggs. Oh, sneaky. I think I'm on top of it now, but then I heard other chicken owners experiencing the same in the last couple of weeks. So what's happening, uh, Camp Canine Daycare, is probably um, as the spring starts, chickens are laying more and that's why we're hearing more about egg eating, which is uh, certainly an issue that many people deal with. And it's uh, very frustrating. Um, my best advice, I have a few things that I suggest for people. And that is 
Start by evaluating uh, what they're eating. Make sure that they're getting all their nutritional needs met. Uh, they may need a little bit more protein. Now, don't don't give, you know, sometimes people go really overboard with the protein. And um, it seems to be a popular answer for many things. But too much protein is also not good for chickens. So, um, you know, I use a 16% layer feed. And then I also supplement protein either in treat form or uh, mealworms or grubs. So that is something that you will want to take a look at just to make sure that they're getting what they need. And also you want to make sure they're getting enough calcium because they might just be trying to, to get more calcium in their diet. So that's the first thing I want you to do. Also make sure that you're collecting your eggs at least twice a day. Certainly if you're having an issue with egg eating, you're going to want to do that. Um, and then you can take some golf balls and when you take the eggs out, put some golf balls instead in there. And after a while, hopefully they will get frustrated trying to break open the golf balls, which are super hard. Um, and then they will give up. And if you know who is doing it, you can also remove that chicken or chickens from the flock and just really stay on top of getting their eggs and putting the golf balls in there. Um, so hopefully you can discourage them from that. Uh, Kiss My Grass Acres asks, when you feed their eggs back to them, how do you do it? Do you cook it? Some, in, some people cook it in the oven to dry it. You know, I just leave it out on the counter and they dry out. And then I um, crush, I mash them up. I actually have my kids do it. <laughs> they mash them up with the mashed potato masher, the uh, potato masher, or just masher. You know, I mash my avocado and make guacamole in front with it. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. My garden of the dinosaurs who live there. That That's, uh, she just answered, uh, calcium. Montmorillonite is the active ingredient in chicken clay. That's very interesting. And I can't wait to, I want you to let me know how that works for you. Um, so yeah, I just crush up the, the eggshells and I feed them back to them and it seems to work fine. I don't dry them out in the oven. You know, I just, I just, uh, that extra step is just too much for me. <laughs> so that's what I do right now. That's what I'm doing, uh, to get some extra calcium into them. But I do, I would suggest that at least every once in a while to add an outside source of calcium, um, just to kind of replenish that uh, from an outside source. So normally I will use an oyster shell. Um, but if, if you can only do the eggshells all the time, then that's okay too. All right, guys. Well, we're running on almost 40 minutes. We had lots of people today. Thank you so much for being here. Remember, you can submit your question to Bok Talk by going to welcometochickenlandia.com going to the contact us section and there's a little drop down menu and it says, ask a chicken question. So check that and send me your question. If it's on topic and it works for um, what I'm doing on the show, I will ask it in the next Bok Talk live. That's your, that's your number one way to get your question to me. Um, and I really appreciate you guys being here. This is 100% friendly backyard chicken education and entertainment. I aim to make chicken keeping for everybody. And remember, everyone's welcome in Chickenlandia. 
Thanks so much for being here, and we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.